Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan, your host. And I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. And the purpose of this podcast is to tackle the eating-related side effects of chemotherapy and discuss the practical real-world solutions to make your, your food, food taste great, great again. again. Thanks for helping me this time. Hey, you got through what? 15 of them? No, 14 of them. So 15, because this is episode 16, and I know in the last podcast, I figured that I'd give you a little bit of a cheer if you got it right all the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. We're a supportive couple. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to talk about things that you need to take into consideration before you start cooking for someone going through cancer treatment. Yes, and I know that we've spent basically the last, uh, well, 15 episodes discussing how to cook for someone going through cancer treatments. And as a caregiver, this episode is really about giving the information to, let's say, a friend of the family, your neighbor, your aunt, your uncle, somebody who's just a, you know, what do they call a, a a do-gooder, right? Somebody who just wants to help out, but they don't have the time and energy to commit to, you know, listening to 14 podcast episodes, reading an entire book. This is just a short little podcast article, we'll call it, as a way of ways to explain in a just real simple way for you to understand what you need to think about before you start cooking for someone going through cancer treatments. So, basically, I'm gonna give you guys five things to think about and questions to ask before you start cooking for that friend or family member. Yes, and then if you're in chemo listening to this, this is good to write down, to give to someone who's like, what can I make for you? Exactly, and that's, we actually have this written down in an article on our website at cookieforchemo.org. The uh, name of the article is How to Cook for Someone Going Through Cancer Treatments. You can easily print it off at your nearest printer. That works too. Also, if you don't like to print things, you can just text message it to them or whatever the heck you want to do. <laughs> okay, so what do they need to know before they begin cooking? All right, so here's step one. So what you want to do is you want to find out what foods the cancer patient is craving. You want to ask them, is there anything that you are having success with that you're craving that sounds really delicious to you, that just sounds good or you really like right now, right? So that's the question you want to ask and that's what you want to think about. So find out what foods the cancer patient is craving, right? So for example, if they're saying, I would really like, what was our example last week? A cheeseburger, right? If right. you really I'm want a cheeseburger, a cheeseburger. Right? Yeah. we want to think about what is a cheeseburger really, right? It's fat, it's protein, it's some carbohydrates. It's a big nutrient dense piece of protein, right? And so that's what that person is really asking you for. So think about that craving and what are they really asking for? They're asking for something that's got fat and protein in it, okay? Maybe not specifically a cheeseburger, but they're asking for something that has those types of nutrients in it and that type of presentation to it. Okay, so think about that. What are they craving? Number two, find out what foods or smells are making the cancer patient nauseous. So we want to avoid these things that are making the cancer patient nauseous. So if they're having trouble with broccoli, don't cook a broccoli cheese, cheesy rice bake, right? Because broccoli is the problem, okay? Because the issue here is pungency, overly strong smells. If they're having trouble with cabbage, avoid the cabbage. If they don't like chicken, because they think chicken smells funny, you know, or pork smells funny, or tofu smells funny, avoid these smells that are making them nauseous, aren't making them hungry, because the idea with smells is as we've been hammering on, you want to be able to build your appetite from a distance because when something gets heated or something gets cooked, you smell it, it smells good, it starts building that interest, that subconscious desire to eat, and we want to build it. So 
Number one, use the foods that the cancer patient's craving. Number two, avoid the smells that are making them nauseous. So number three, remember to take the perceived weight of food into consideration, right? What is weight? Weight is not literally the measurement of, oh, this soup weighs five pounds, therefore it's heavy. No, no, no. Weight is the coating or the perceived remnants of flavor that are left into in your mouth after you take each bite. This really comes into effect when you have metallic tastes, right? Metallic tastes make everything taste like metal, make everything taste bad. And by having what we call the palate cleansing effect of a balance between sugar and vinegar in each recipe, right? Sweet and sour being balanced, it removes the weight, cleans up the residue as it keeps going and allows the vinegar or sour flavor to do its work. And the sweet brings balance and masks the actual sour flavor while still building and bringing balance to the dish. Number four, make food that is easily reheated and easy to store. That's super important. It's very important. <laughs> As a caregiver for an entire year, um, it was really important to do this because you don't have a lot of time as a caregiver. You think cancer treatments are gonna be this lounge around, drink margaritas, lay in bed, take a nap in the sunshine, kind of year long vacation, but it's not. It is this intense time of treatment and up and down and not feeling good. And especially if you're a caregiver, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're paying the bills, you need something to keep you sane. And the way to keep yourself sane is by coming up with a system of repetable actions, right? that helps make your life easy. And in this case, it is making heat that is easily re reheated and easy to store. So for example, if you make a bunch of French onion soup, right, for somebody, get little eight ounce freezing, freezable containers. They, you know, they're called deli containers typically. They're like the little reheatable ones. You fill eight ounces of liquid in there and you, and you put the whole pot in there and you freeze it. You put the condiments on the side, the croutons, the cheese or whatever, and you put those into individual portions as well. And the idea here is that cancer patients typically can't eat a whole serving of food in one go. Right. They're not eating, you know, when, when, when my mom was eating, she wasn't eating, you know, a 40 ounce bowl of soup like I like to eat a French onion soup. My, <laughs> 40 ounces, that's it? Are you My sure? food lust for French onion soup knows no bounds, it you know? It doesn't It really at doesn't all. at all. It's, a, it's almost a problem, right? But you want to think about this, like how can I make this easy to reheat, easy to store? Something you can easily just throw into the microwave, something you can throw onto the stovetop and reheat easily, right? We're talking about convenience foods type thing, just easy. And I'm not saying convenience foods as in go buy somebody a bunch of frozen dinners because those aren't going to taste right to the cancer patient, right? We want to make really good tasting food to the cancer patient's preferences that's easy to reheat and easy to store. So nothing that comes in a two-gallon pot, and the whole thing has to be reheated in one go, right? Break yeah, it down. Yeah, because sometimes they can only eat a couple bites. Exactly. And then sometimes they can eat the whole thing, you know? Exactly, and that drives the point home exactly, because you, you don't want to waste food. You just want to make it simple and easy. And then number five is to think about texture. And the reason we think about texture is because texture does a couple of things, right? Number one, texture tells us how to feel about this dish. If I don't feel good and I feel sick, chemo makes people just not feel good. It makes you feel like you got the flu. It makes you feel like you got a cold. You just feel like you've been just generally beat up in general, you know, right? right. And texture helps us to feel loved. It helps us to feel fun. It helps us to feel energized. There's all kinds of different things that texture can tell us, but texture really comes into play with mouth sores, right? We talked about mouth sores a couple weeks ago. 
Malsors are like the none shall pass gatekeeper against food, right? They're, if you agitate them, they're going to stop all traffic going across that bridge. Think of your bridge, think of your mouth as the bridge, you know, like one of those like drawbridges, you know, that goes up and down when, when the ferries go underneath the water, right? It's that that crossing guard that says, nope, sorry, no more with yeah, traffic. The pain just kind of shuts, shuts it down. Shuts it all down. Yeah. And no longer is there are you able to get nutrients into there. So you want to think about that texture. Is is this crunchy? Is this abrasive? Is this going to agitate mouth sores, right? Is there anything there that's going to agitate the mouth sores? Is it excessively hot? Is it excessively spicy? And that is what you want to think about there. So just to bring it all together. So find out what foods the cancer patient's craving, right? Ask them, what do you want? What do you like? Use those ideas What tastes good right now? Yeah, exactly. What's tasting good to you right now, right? Number two, find out what foods or smells are making the cancer patient nauseous. Is there anything that when you smell doesn't smell right and puts you off your game, puts you off your appetite, That way right? I won't put it in the casserole. Exactly, because then I won't put it in or there. Or in the soup or whatever. Exactly. And then we want to remember to take the weight of food into consideration, right? And you want to ask them, are you liking lighter dishes or heavier dishes, medium body dishes? How are you handling perceived weight in your mouth? How do you, and then I would use some examples. Like, does a pot roast taste good to you right now? Does a salad sound good to you right now? What is it in the food? Is it the weight? Is it the taste? What is it that sounds good to them, okay? Four, make food that's easily reheated and easy to store. That's a no-brainer. Just get some small little portion, containers. Portion, 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 portion. Exactly. Yeah. Just small little eight-ounce containers. We're talking about eight fluid ounces. Portion, label, date, and freeze. Yes. Because you don't want in two months to be like, what is this? So if you are outside <laughs> of the United States, uh, it just occurs to me that eight ounces doesn't mean anything to you. It's about a quarter of a liter. Eight ounces is right about a quarter of a liter because a half a liter is 16.9 ounces. So you're looking for like a quarter liter container. They're about the size of your hand and about uh, halfway the depth of your index fingers for a nice universal measurement. <laughs> and then number five, think about that texture. Is it crunchy? Is it abrasive? And the, re the question you wanna ask here is, are you having trouble with mouth sores? Because if they're having trouble with mouth sores, you want to stick to soft, soupy textures, slow-cooked, long-cooked things, soups, stews, smoothies, that type of stuff. And I think that is all of it really condensed into a really nice idea. All right, let's move on to our audience email then. So today we have Chef Ryan. My neighbor was recently diagnosed with cancer. I always hear that it's good to cook healthy foods for cancer patients. What are some of the healthy foods that I can cook for my neighbor? Okay, so this is a great question and this is something I get a lot actually. This is, you know, because these are well-meaning people who want to do the right thing but they don't understand the challenges that chemotherapy actually presents. And the big dangers here with systematic starvation, cachexia, that stuff, right? They're asking what's healthy, okay? Healthy is personal, it's subjective. It is a thing that is based on what you do, what kind of treatment you're going through, are you in surgery, are you going through surgeries, are you in recovery, right? Do you work out a lot? Do you sit in an office? Are you a slug, right? Are you a super active person? What is healthy and good for people is different based on their personal circumstances. So this is where we talk about working with a dietitian, okay? So what is healthy for a person is going to be really well covered by a group of people called dietitians. What they study is dietics. They usually have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. They're called RDs. You'll see MS, LD, RD. 
behind their name. And what they do is they know nutrients and your body's need for nutrients forwards and backwards and backwards and forwards. So if you're the neighbor, what you wanna do is you wanna focus on the five things that I talked about, right? Talking about, you know, what are they craving? Is it making them nauseous? Taking the weight of food into consideration, things that are easy to reheat and restore and, and store, and thinking about texture. Your job isn't to figure out what their nutrient needs are. And that's not actually my job either as the chef. My job is to teach you how to make it taste right and taste good. So what I'd recommend here in this situation is to have your neighbor talk to their dietitian, and their dietitian may have suggestions on foods that they need to be eating at this point in their current circumstance. Because healthy is subjective. It's not the same for everybody. For example, you know, they were talking about Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps had to eat 13,000 or 17,000 calories a day. If I ate 17,000 calories a day, I burn about 3,000 a day, I would gain three pounds of fat a day. That's insane. You'd wind up on my 600 pound life. I would, and not even that long of a time. <laughs> no, like a very a short amount of time. Hashtag goals, right? No, 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 not, no, no, not no. that, Not that kind of goal. So that's what we want to think about is that healthy really is not... It's, it's unique to each person. It's subjective. Everyone's body's different. Everyone's preferences are different. Everyone's literally every part of you is different. That is why we all look different. That's why you see someone say, oh, he kind of looks like blank, but no two people actually, unless you're identical twins, actually look the same. And even then with gene expression, even They're identical twins different. are slightly different. Yeah. So, so don't look at, is this healthy? Is this not healthy? Look at, can my friend eat this or can my friend not eat this? Because the goal here is to get the calories, to get the nutrition into them, not to, to pass the judgment on them. Right. And giving them foods that you think are healthy or you've read online are good for fighting cancer because you don't know what those cancer fighting foods or how they're going to interact with their medications. Exactly. So. That was super helpful. Thank you, Chef Ryan. That's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Remember, you can get all of this information and more on our website, cookingforchemo.org, along with our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan Callahan. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.